Sunday evening, this is it, session six of Developing a Prophetic Culture, number six in the mini-series. And so uh, the previous four sessions, as you know, have looked at really the foundational aspects of a prophetic culture before we get into really getting into the mechanism, which we did a little bit this morning, we're going to look at a bit tonight. Uh, and really we've focused on following the way of love, finding, uh, being in love with Jesus, being in that love place, listening to the symphony, the overtures of the love songs that actually we um, cannot help but to be surrounded by and actually listen to with all our senses when we're in that place, that secret place of intimacy with Jesus. And the enemy would try and coax us out of that place um, that we would um, uh, merge into, try and uh, into um, an orphan spirit versus adopted sons and daughters, the living God. And really at that place then, we begin to speak love, to see love, and to call out the gold. And um, we covered aspects of um, uh, character and gifting, the fact that uh, obviously character will extend the ability of that gift to, for its reach in, in some ways. So in, in other words, uh, to get across the other side of a river, for example, uh, gifting can jump up and down all it likes, but it needs character to be partnered with character to get across to the other side. And so that's why um, we focus a lot on that and uh, power and authority, et cetera, et cetera. And really, it's important when, we, when we're walking in the way of love, we're following the way of love, that we actually operate in the sphere, the field, that God would like us to operate in. And it's much easier in that field and then trying to trample all over someone else's. Uh, and actually, it, it feels like an uphill struggle when we do that. So actually, when we're in the right place, the right field, everything is a lot easier. So, um, so f I'm going to repeat Ecclesiastes 11.4, like I did this morning, is the fact it says, if you wait for the perfect weather, you will never plant your seeds. In other words, we just have to get going. You know, that we just have to jump in there and actually uh, we say yes to God. You know, what is our yes to God? It's actually, uh, we believe that actually you will back us up when, um, when we actually, it's not presumptive work, but it's actually a path you've shown us, the field you've shown us, and actually we say yes to that. We show up, we pitch up, and we give our yes, and we open our mouths and speak the word of life. And so today's the day, tonight's the night. It's a good time to, to get going on this. And so this morning we covered a little bit about uh, what prophecy is uh, versus uh, the words of knowledge, and um, looked at some of those uh, aspects there. And um, really, um, the way that uh, we might uh, receive that revelatory uh, signal from heaven. We touched on the fact that actually the signal, the revelation, uh, comes from heaven. That's, that's, that's actually the gift in us, is the ability to receive that signal, the ability to receive that revelation. So God sends a revelation from heaven. We're like a satellite dish that would receive that revelation, and then just to um, speak what God um, gives us to speak or to actually uh, describe what God shows us to, s to say what we see. Um, and um, the last slide of the morning really looked at the way that we receive and deliver um, that revelatory uh, signal. And so it's important in this aspect is that you be yourself 
I'm very good at being me. Natasha, you're amazing at being you. And Marky G, you're amazing at being you. And actually, if we try and be somebody else in the way that we receive and deliver uh, um, you know, those revelatory um, uh, signals, it's like David clunking around in, in armor. Yes, we can be inspired to say, well, actually, Mark sees words over people's heads and that, and I'd like to do that as well. That's fine. But actually, don't copy uh, someone else. Actually, ask, go back to God and say, God, is this, you know, I'd like this. I would like this. And actually, if, that's a, if, if God wants you to move in that, he'll, he'll, give you, he'll give you the ability to do that as well. So, yes, we can see how Jesus works in other people and actually say, I'd like that. But actually, don't be that other person. Be yourself. And so within that, in terms of delivering um, uh, what you receive, that can be in different ways. That can be a tongue, a word, an impression everything else it can be um, particular t things for t particular seasons um, I often see words over people's heads and I went for about three or four months uh, without that happening uh, and something else uh, uh, you know uh, almost like um, an, a kind of an audible sound um, uh, instead of just seeing words over people's heads so again the um, the key is because we spent time this is really important. This is really, really important. Because we, we spent time in that place of love, in that place of love where we've breathed love, we've heard love, we've been pickled in the love of Jesus, that we know what the um, symphony of heaven, the, s the love songs of heaven, that are just uh, that we hear about in Zephaniah 3:17. We are surrounded in that. We speak that. We know it. We can hear it. We know that symphony. We know when we hear pieces of that symph symphony, we know it's direct from heaven. And so then we connect that when we hear it to what we say. And we speak out that symphony of love. That would actually bring strength and courage and comfort to those that are around us. And within that delivery, um, you often hear uh, people talk about um, 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 Nabi prophets and seer prophets. And, and this is just a, a way in which people receive and speak um, that revelation. So, you know, back to the, the satellite dish, the way that we receive that signal, that revelatory signal um, from heaven. And, and Narbi gifting tends to be uh, a kind of bubbling up. Um, it's almost like an immediate thing. I had that um, th only uh, this last week. I was in a conference um, in Ireland, and um, I was speaking to someone uh, who was uh, who was a head of a company, and uh, I, I didn't know anything about them. They didn't know Jesus, but but actually, I felt a bubbling up of something which um, was a, um, uh, a word of strength, encouraging comfort. It was quite very kind of quite personal, delivered it in a way that was sensitive and everything else. And they, and, and, but it, in a way, it just bubbled up. It wasn't until I was next to that person, the fact that that revelatory signal was, was sent, and, I, and actually just, it just came out in a very loving, incentive way, and then they began to open up and say more about their situation. And then I finished the conversation by saying, do you mind if I pray for that? And they were actually very happy for me to do so and to keep me in the loop as well. So that was a kind of Nabi gifting where, um, and, and Nabi, uh, if you look at the, the root word, it, it literally means to sow seeds in someone's tent. 
Um, so the seed is the word of life in someone's tent, and someone's tent is someone's life. So it's this bubbling up, a very immediate thing. And, and often Nabi prophets will say, the Lord is saying this, the Lord is saying that. It's a very much an immediate um, aspect, often in proximity to the person that they're actually, or situation that they're uh, prophesying to. Now, with seer uh, prophets, um, they tend to, the, the root word of that is ra, which is to see, and chosen, which is a tent wall and a cutting tool. So it really describes um, the aspect of, of a cutting tool where you see, where you, you cut through the division between the spiritual and the physical realm. Uh, and, uh, and so what you do is you, you actually find a lot of people who are seers actually will just gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And so actually um, uh, you, will, you will hear a lot of seers uh, um, describe saying, the Lord showed me, I saw this. And so, uh, and they're always reading psalms like, I mean, I'm a seer. I mean, I just read, you know, you find seers uh, read psalms like, you know, better is, is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, you know, gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. There's a lot of gazing upon the beauty of God. And actually during that, those times and, and, and actually uh, focusing and seeing the love songs of Jesus, because almost sometimes you can almost uh, tangibly see those love songs, those notes, turn into something which is, is, is physical, you can see that, is that then out of that, God will show uh, seers, people they're meant to meet, situations that they're going to walk into um, in, in many months to come, maybe six, one year or two years hence. And uh, I, a lot of my, uh, in my phone, my, my Evernote file, I actually have a lot of situations that I know I'm going to walk into in six and 12 and, and maybe, you know, a few years time that actually when I'm there, I will say, oh my goodness, I've, I, I've seen this already. And then you go back and, and, and give what the Lord gave you at that moment. So it's, n- it's not always an immediate thing. And actually these giftings work together in 1 Chronicles 29, 29. There was Samuel the seer, Nathan the prophet, and God the seer, all in the same scripture as a team. I love it. I love that scripture because it talks about a team. And remember, it was a couple of sessions ago, I was actually saying the fact that actually it's really important for the prophets to be part of a team. Not only as a team working together, but as a team as in a team in the body of Christ. Because, you know, the, the church is founded on the apostles and the prophets. And if... if, if uh, if you want to destroy, as it were, the local church, you would try and kick the prophets or the apostles out of the church and keep them out and make sure they don't fit or they don't come back. And that's what the enemy is trying to do. So if you're one of those people and you think, actually, I just feel let down by the church and I'll never go back, go, go back to the local church and actually um, you know, sow into that body and actually will increase your gifting right now. So, um, so in terms of, let me give you an example of what um, a, a seer uh, will actually, um, uh, you know, kind of perceive and everything else. So, um, often a seer will um, have a deja vu experience. Um, uh, so, p- people who don't know their seers will say, um, yeah, I've, I've been to this place before. Uh, and they'll have a lot of deja vu experiences. And um, they will actually um, experience uh, situations, um, uh, you know, many months in advance of when they actually walk into a, into a place or even a person as well. The other thing is that um, uh, seers will um, become frustrated sometimes because actually they're trying to describe a heavenly encounter or a heavenly image or vision 
uh, which uh, they've really spent a lot of time gazing on. And it's almost like bringing a treasure to uh, a group of people. And often, if it's a group of people that actually either are not interested or really just don't get it, um, the, the seer can be left with this feeling of um, feelings of rejection and, and actually nobody really cares about them. And that's clearly not true because the people they're talking to do care about them. It's just the fact that they may have not got it the first time because, because that vision is so much out there. They, the people who, re, who are hearing it have to have it broken down to say, okay, let's break this down. And again, uh, if that's, uh, and then, and then um, a, a almost a response to that as a seer, and I've met many people like this, is that they then be begin to despise the gift that has been given to them because actually every time they open their mouth they feel misunderstood or people and so and often what what people misunderstand they either fear or ridicule and so because of that a lot of the seers in the church just shut down thinking I will never say that again because the response was inappropriate um, and actually um, because they might not have actually, you know, there we always have issues of character to deal with. If it strikes a raw nerve in our character, then we shut that part of our character down. Rather than actually bringing it to God and saying, actually, God, there's something, this is really painful. Could, you, could we work on this? Which is why character and gifting is really important. So, um, so um, if there's any... Um, if that resonates with any, any seers, um, uh, really just begin to um, open up uh, and, and actually begin to talk about what you see. Say what you see and become part of a prophetic team. Because often, seers work really well as a, as a prophetic team. So I'll give you an example. Dan McCollum, in uh, uh, um, the prophetic company book that he wrote, uh, he found out that his son actually had a seer gifting. And Dan, at one point, was doing some ministry, and uh, he said to his son, what do you see? And his son said, I see um, um, uh, an angel just come in with a tray of eyeballs, and uh, I don't know what that means. And Dan McCollum knew exactly what that meant, because that was an indication that, um, um, that there was a, a, a kind of uh, an environment for um, healing of eyes and eye-related matters to occur. And so without actually saying to everybody else in the room, which is kind of quite bizarre, my son's just seen a plate, an angel with a plate full of eyeballs kicking around and everything else. He just said, there's an opportunity to receive healing right now for eyes. So please come forward. That happened for me when I was speaking at uh, United, uh, uh, a Christian meeting at the United Nations uh, in New York quite a number of years ago, where um, I saw um, um, a load of angels coming in, touching people's knees, and clearly I thought, well, God sent these angels because he's going to heal some knees. So I just announced, I didn't say I see a lot of angels and all that sort of stuff, I just say this is a moment where actually I just feel that knees are being healed and, and actually almost immediately knees were healed. But then, you know, to kind of counter the cynic in people saying, well, actually, Mark, it's just positive suggestion, all that sort of stuff, there was a, um, a group of ladies came in uh, late 
and two of them actually had really painful knees. And as soon as they walked in the room, um, they shrieked out and said, oh my goodness, our knees have just been healed. What is going on in this room? This is amazing. And so that kind of deals with the argument of auto-suggestion. That was a great. But I didn't, but you know, th so that's why I see gifting is, uh, is really useful. So having um, whatever means that prophetic word comes, Nabi prophet, seer prophet, etc., whatever the way that you deliver it, and obviously clearly it has to be within the context of love, um, how, when you've received a prophetic word, um, you know, how about testing it? In 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 19 to 22, it says, don't stifle or despise prophecy, but test it. Um, and in other words, uh, kind of, sifting the meat from the bones and don't be put off by the style um the fact that you know a particular accent or way that people talk and everything else because actually see beyond the style and see uh the word of life and, and the word of gold that's there uh, clearly it has to strengthen encourage and comfort and the the other point this is really important is does the prophecy glorify and point to jesus does it give him honor or does it elevate the person that's giving the prophecy? Because that's not a good thing, is it? You know, if it's pointing to the person who's giving the prophetic word and building them up, then that's, you can be sure that that's actually not uh, really likely to be a word of prophecy because it actually is pointing away from Jesus. So prophetic words will point to Jesus. The next point is, does the prophecy ring true with your spirit? Does it bring a sense of peace? In John uh, chapter 10, 2 to 5, we see that the, the shepherd and the sheep, that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. And so actually, again, this is why it's important to follow the way of love and be with Jesus and be in that place of love because we can hear and become really familiar with that voice of love. We know what it sounds like. We know what it looks like. We might even know what it smells like, that voice, that sound of love, that symphony of love that is over us. And clearly we can then follow that word of life, that word of love. And so does it bring a sense of peace? Does it bring life and freedom? Or does it lead to being confused or trapped? So again, if you feel contained, trapped or confused, it's, uh, it's not likely to, or most of it's not likely to be a, a word from God because it's going to bring life or freedom. The second, the, the next point is, um, and I'm glad we don't live in, in Old Testament times, because um, I want to say, does it come true? Now, in Deuteronomy 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 22, it talks about the fact that in the Old Testament, if you give a prophetic word and it doesn't come true, you're actually stoned to death. Well, I'm just really pleased we're living in <laughs> the New Testament. All right, but, you know, joking aside, does it come true? And so, uh, and uh, this is actually really important when we process our prophetic words. And so, uh, the last few slides um, will actually deal with the drawer of prophetic words that you may have stashed away. Um, that actually, quite a few of those may have already come true, and you don't know because you've actually not gone and revisited them. Um, as an example of does it come true? Um, I'm very diligent in actually um, uh, writing things down and actually saying to the person, will you let me know if, if or if not this comes true? Because again, with any accountability, we have to do that because we have to check in to see how we're doing. 
And again, with any team or developing team, it's really important and really encouraging to actually, as a group, saying, well, how are we doing? You know, well, yeah, it came true. And actually, well, it did that, but, um, you know, th th this area or this season, a lot of the stuff I'm saying um, isn't really coming true. So, you know, and then we can you can actually then see if there's anything going on with that team member or anything else like that. So, so from that point of view, it's very, very encouraging. So, you know... Does it come true? And finally, does the prophecy um, bear uh, good fruit? Uh, and, um, you know, does it um, not only point us to Jesus, but does it give, um, you know, the, the fruits that we read about in Galatians? Does it lead it to an increase in that, which again is another uh, good yardstick for, for these type of things? So, okay, you've, you've, you've gone through that checklist and you've, you think, yep, yep. I think that's I think that's God. I'm gonna I'm gonna own that. I'm gonna now. How do I steward that? Okay, I've filtered it all out. I've tested it. What do I do when I've kind of sieved it all out, and, and the pan of gold and all that sort of stuff, and and all the soil and everything else is gone? I've got this. I've got this prophetic word. How do I steward it? Well, the first thing is to is to give thanks to God and take ownership of it, which means you value it uh, rather than kind of like a lot of us have done in the past and. And actually, uh, I've got a lifestyle now, probably for the last 15 years, where actually I value all these prophetic words so, um, so diligently and record them. We'll go on to that a little bit later. But actually write it down, first of all, and pray about it and actually, just, uh, and actually involve other people. Again, if you're part of the local church, that's really easy to do. But if you're a loose cannon, you can only talk to yourself. And then you can deceive yourself. And the whole Bible is full of, of the dangers of deceiving ourselves. All right? So if we're part of a body, we can involve other people. I've got a very good friend, Shola. Um, and, uh, you know, we do this to each other. If we, it's a prophetic word which, which requires an action um, that needs to be done. Okay? This is a word from God. And if it's a word from God, therefore it requires this particular action. If I kept it to myself, I can convince myself, depending on what, feeling I'm in, what mood I'm in, oh, well, I'll just leave it for a month or a week or, and it turns into a year and then was it really God and all that sort of stuff. But if I say to Shola, Shola, you know, I tell him about the, yep, yep, we tested it, seems like a word from God, okay, this requires an action, check in on me in a week's time to see whether or not I've done it. The first step in, in, in stepping out of this prophetic word. So I know that in a week's time, Shola's going to come and say, Mark, are we done this yet? So that will actually then encourage me to do something about it. So please involve other people. And that's great. You know, when you're part of a local church, you can involve other people that we're mutually accountable to. We can wait on God and, and obviously share with other people for further confirmation or interpretation then act on it by faith. In other words, it actually might be part of a bigger picture and it might be show or you know a piece of a jigsaw and then we wait on it for further confirmation that there's another thing that would actually fit into that. Or God actually might just rubber stamp it and send somebody uh, you know in a week's time with the same thing or related thing, which is why it's important to write it down because then we can actually try and compare the two. Next point is to, to ponder on it. As Mary pondered on a lot of, you know, we, we see, we hear and see in the Bible the fact that Mary treasured and pondered things in her heart. So begin to rotate it, as it were, in your heart and bring it back to God and say, what about this? And, you know, talk to him about it. 
because actually God wants us to really find the treasure. In, in Proverbs 25, verse 2, it says, you know, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the, it's the glory of kings and queens uh, to find it out. And so God wants us to find the treasure. He wants us to lean into him, into his heartbeat, and say, God, you know, I'm, I'm actually struggling to find this treasure. Would you just give me a bit of a hint and a clue? And you say, yeah, Mark, thanks for, thanks for kind of calling in and just resting against me. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, I've, I've actually, God's telling me about the treasure. He's telling me about other things in my life. He's speaking to me about my calling and destiny, about the fact that I'm a wonderful son and all that, all that sort of stuff. And then it is just such a wonderful aspect uh, in your life because that gives you the confidence and it encourages uh, sonship rather than orphan spirit. And we dealt with that a few weeks ago. The other thing is prophet's reward. All right. Um, so, um, uh, and also Matthew 10 verse 41 talks about, you know, righteous man, righteous uh, reward. So what is it in terms of prophet's reward? Often you find when you welcome the prophetic, you find that the ability of the people in the room or the congregation, their ability to hear God increases tremendously. I find this a lot when I do workshops and everything else. At first, you know, it had to be pointed out to me. He said, Mark, do you not realize, actually, when we welcome the prophetic um, and, and we welcome, um, you know, when I go to other churches and everything else, the ability to hear the voice of God increases because that's part of the prophetic reward. So there's, there's actually um, a biblical precedent for that. And we can see that um, uh, welcoming the prophetic in 2 Kings uh, 4, 10 to 36, and then uh, 2 Kings 8, um, 1 to 6. And the reason why I like this story is not only uh, we got the Shunammite woman who welcomes the prophetic, but it's a really good lesson on timing because that's the other thing that I want to talk about now is the fact that actually you're stewarding something. So is it a now word? Because it feels so immediate, it's so obvious that it's going to happen tomorrow. Well, it might do. It might happen tonight. Or it might happen in a year or two or three or four. Or in the case of um, the Shunammite woman... Um, uh, seven years time. So, um, so let's let's have a look. So I won't ask you to you. This is your homework. If you want to read it, two Kings four eight to ten through to thirty six, and essentially, you know, Elisha would pass through um, where the Shunammite woman lived, and she and her husband prepared a small room on the rooftop and put in a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp. Uh, and actually, uh, when uh, Elisha came past, he would come and stay and sleep there. So they prepared, they welcomed the prophetic. Okay. Um, during that time, uh, Elisha um, uh, and Gehazi's servant called the lady and he said, um, you've gone to all this and I'm reading from uh, 2 Kings 4, verse 13. It's, it says, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And so, um, just to summarize, um, what happened is the fact that actually she said, um, you know, um, she, she was fine. <laughs> but actually, they discerned the fact that actually she was without child and everything else. And so, uh, she conceived, gave birth to a son. But when the son grew older, actually had a, um, an, an accident where he actually died. The Shunammite woman then went to get um, uh, Elisha, and um, so uh, and uh, that was got this scenario where Elisha just laid upon the boy, 
uh, and uh, to uh, t- and, and he actually was restored from 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 dead. Now um, the story continued, and um, Elisha then told the Shunammite woman, uh, in you know a few years hence, actually there's a famine coming. So go down uh, away from the the region, and then come back um, once the famine has ended. And so at the end of seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to, to, the, to the king to, bed for, to beg for a house and land. Now, at the very moment, you know, this is seven years. I mean, think about the timing here. Think about the timing. Seven years hence, Elijah said, can we ask for something from the king on your behalf? Which is kind of an amazing claim. Seven years later... She came in to um, speak to the king about her house uh, and everything else and her land, um, what had been going on the last seven years. At the very moment that Gehazi, Elisha's servant, was telling the king the story about um, the son, the Shunammite woman's son, who died and Elisha had brought back from the dead. At that very moment, the timing was incredible. And then he says, and we read this in 2 Kings 8, uh, verse uh, 5. It says, this is the woman, my lord, the king. This is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And then the king just, it's an amazing um, uh, uh, statement. He then assigned an official. This is the king. And assigned an official to the Shunammite woman's case and said to the official, Give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day she left the country until now. So, you know, seven years worth of everything that was lost was completely restored. And we think about restoring the years the locusts have eaten. But actually, you know, so, so what was offered seven years previously actually came to be later in 2 Kings 8. That's an amazing example. And, you know, we've got, you know, I've got, and, and you will have um, at times where the timing um, of some of these prophetic um, uh, conclusions uh, come to pass. Uh, I remember one time um, I was walking uh, with my family um, across uh, to see if, uh, to fi- it's, uh, to, it's a really kind of breakthrough in, in ministry. Uh, we were actually in Canada at the time, and we had an address of a house called Rainbow House, uh, and it was across Rainbow Bridge, which is where uh, Niagara Falls is, between Niagara and Buffalo. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that went into this, and it was the whole timing aspect. And at the very moment that I thought, you know, what am I doing here? My family's walking across. It was going dark. We were going to a house that we'd never seen, to people who we'd never seen. Did the place exist? Etc. Etc. Um, and I was thinking, oh, I, I'm not really, uh, you know, is, thi- is this wise? Um, and um, the the um, the name of the of the um, the house or the people was um, was Purdue or something like that, which I think is lost in French. And at the very moment that I that that thought came to me, that the timing of someone that just walked past me with a sweatshirt, my wife said to me. Did you just see what was written on the front of that T-shirt? And it was Purdue University. So it was confirmation. It was that very timing, the fact that I was thinking of actually having some doubts whether or not actually we were, we were doing the right thing. At that very moment, again, somebody walked past. 
And um, you know, there's other examples of me writing prophetic words in books that actually uh, end up um, falling into someone else's hand, and it's the exact prophetic word, that prophetic time, 12 months later, um, and, um, and so I actually met up with that person uh, to pray with them and actually pray more into their situation. So just because something doesn't happen straight away, we just wait, we just look to God, and we say, God, you know what you're doing. And, you know, Shunammite woman waited seven years, but actually she got everything back. So, so I've got more examples, but just uh, in the remaining time, I really want to kind of press on in terms of um, sorting out your words. Okay? This is great. I love this. Sorting out your words. What does this mean? This means that actually the people I see in front of me, I would think that actually a significant proportion of you have got a whole raft of bits of paper and also maybe some voice recordings on your phone and things like that which are kind of buried in different parts of your phone or on your computer. And, and uh, you've got kind of quite a stack of them. Well, what does that all mean? Uh, and where do I start? There's the, obviously, they, um, we can apply the principles that we've talked about already in terms of testing and stewarding. All right, so apply those principles. I'm just going to have a bit of, bit of tea here. Mm. The Bay Church tea, nothing like it. Very good. Um, so you've, you've done, gone through those principles, you've tested, and you've actually gone through this kind of process of you know, writing it down, things like that. But how do, you so, how do you sort these? How do you sort all these words? Well, first of all, I'd like you to sort them into three categories, right? This is the first bit of sorting. First thing is, why don't you just sort them into words which are strengthening? In other words, words that are meant to keep you going and step into the next season. All right? I'm thinking kind of Isaiah 35 where there's, um, you know, it's all about um, as we walk along the way, our knees and our, our, um, our wrists will be strengthened and things like that. So there's a lot of strengthening that goes on as we, as we um, step onto that highway of holiness. Then there's words, that's one category. The other word is encouraging, encouragement, words of encouragement. In other words, words that would encourage us to take this first step of faith, to take the first step of faith along a pathway that is before us. And we might not even see the end of it, but actually it's all about, well, Mark, you know, take this step here, take that step there. and think, Okay, okay, let's talk about steps. Okay, I'm just going to collect all those words together, words of encouragement. And then there's words of comfort. And that might be words of healing. That might be words of the fact that you're not alone. Even when you do feel on your own, you're not on your own. But it might be words where we really needed to know that we weren't on our own in certain situations and words of comfort and healing. So to kind of have those in a category. So strength, encouragement, comfort. Those are the main three categories. And then you've got words of wisdom. All right, so this is another collection here which can overlap with those strength, encouragement, comfort. Words of wisdom... And let's not forget the fact that, you know, a couple of sessions ago we were talking about the manifold wisdom of God, the multi-layered, multifaceted, multicolored aspect of the wisdom of God. And that, that actually does translate into flavors, colors, layers of the prophetic as well, which, which links to how we're made, how we're put together and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and really just the many layers of heaven and how those signals, those overtures of love songs come to us. 
those words of wisdom are linked to our destiny and calling. So words of destiny and calling. In other words, um, it gives us a strategy how to get to what we know or what we, we know in our heart is a destiny and calling, maybe to a people group or to a place, to a country or something like that. But it gives us a strategy by which to begin to achieve that. So that's what I mean by that. Then there's uh, obviously there's sometimes words of correction where we, we would want to adjust our behavior. And then, there's, and then if nothing fits into those categories, just have an other category, all right? It's very helpful. Okay, so we've done that, all right? So this is the next slide which I've got on here, sorting your words, part B, all right? So that was part A, this is part B. Now the next thing to do is to look for common themes within the categories, right? You've got these different piles of stuff. So look for things like, well, um, Actually, Mark, there's, there's uh, things all about doors and change and corridors and windows and all that sort of stuff, which speaks of, you know, greater vision, opportunity, things like that. You know, a lot of my words tend to, okay, well, that's great because, um, because that's all about greater vision, great opportunity, things like that. It might be that actually a lot of your words relate to family or finance or geography, being a different country, or, or, or people, or a people group. Okay, so look for things like that. The next thing, the next category is when you're sorting your words. So these, are the, you know, is, is the fact that um, uh, uh, any result of uh, the answer of, of to one prophecy may affect another. In other words, um, when, when, you, when you have these categories, begin to see whether or not they've been answered. And actually, as you see the answer, you think, oh my goodness, that was answered. But actually, in that very answer, it now begins to open up the way for, a, for another prophetic word that is actually just sitting next to it there, thinking, oh my goodness, not only are they linked, and not only are there probably five prophetic things within this category, which may be five stepping stones on my destiny, but actually, I've just noticed that the first one is answered. Hallelujah. My goodness. I'm actually on the way. I'm actually closer to my destiny and calling than I thought I was because I thought I was nowhere. But all of a sudden, I've just seen that one of these stones, one of these stepping stones has been answered because it now will actually affect the, 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 the second prophecy, the second stepping stone. So now, all of a sudden, my prophetic senses are alerted to this and actually for the clues that God is going to show me, the people that he's going to, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, prompt me to meet, etc., etc. So I'm now looking for um, the, you know, further answers. And so confirmation can really help to sort out the importance and priorities of prophetic words. So, you know, if you've got, uh, if you've got a prophetic word which is confirmed by something else, which is confirmed by something else, confirmed by something else, that suggests that that actually might be a priority in God's agenda, that he's actually saying, Mark, I'm giving you this, I'm making it bold, I'm underlining it, I'm highlighting it, and I'm putting that nice sort of shadowy stuff you can put in Word documents and like that just to make it look kind of 3D. So I'm doing all these things to show you the fact that this is really important. So I'm confirming, 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 which actually gives me a clue as to what God's priorities are. Because actually when you're sorting all these things, you'll be saying to me, Mark, well, I've got all these piles, which are the priorities? Well, there you go. That's a good way of finding out what God's priorities are with these piles of prophetic words you've got. 
And then within that, you'll find some outliers which don't fit any of these. And, and what I would do is just leave them as outliers. They may be relevant for another time, or actually with time, they are safe to discard because they actually aren't confirming anything else or, or that they just might be good words, they're not God words. And then finally, um, uh, you know, the application of this sorting. So, you, you know, you kind of, you've got all this ready. You've got it all sorted. So what do we, um, you know, how do we, how do we apply it all? Well, the, the whole aspect of um, before, and, and those, the application goes to the three categories. I'll come back to this in a minute. will be timing, wisdom, and be ready. And, um, and it's, it's quite, you know, when we're categorizing our prophetic words, and this is, it can be quite deep and, um, you know, um, emotional, actually, because we're then reminded of the care that God uh, really <laughs> um, takes and the detail of moving people in our lives situations to tell us again and again and again of really how much he loves us and cares for us and actually he's saying Mark I actually love you too much to kind of leave you where you are and I'm nudging you along so this part of your life can just be sorted out I can just get you aligned up with with my the plans of heaven in this and, and this will just make so much difference not only to your life but to actually the flow of love that that actually is in you and the ability to actually flow out more of that love to more people in a way where you won't run dry because actually, um, because I, you because I, we dwell in that place of love and so we are resourced from the love of heaven. So we will never run dry because um, the love of heaven is without limit. And so um, this sorting process comes back to it almost like a, um, and for some of you, um, I'm a scientist, um, w there's a principle of signal versus noise ratio, and um, or any instrument that you might measure, used to measure a signal with, um, there's always the signal, which is the main thing, the thing that you want to hear, and again, you, we might even go back to the kind of, um, the signal that comes from heaven, is the fact that we want to pick out the signal from the surrounding noise. And we know the fact that actually, um, if we don't tune in properly to the radio or, or even you know our satellite dishes and things like that for TVs, if we're not on cable, that actually there can be an annoying noise which can drown out the signal. So what we're doing with this sorting process that I've talked about here is the fact that we've got all our prophetic words. We've got all these things where um, we really need to kind of um, think, well, what is God saying here? And we really need to sort out what that signal is from the background noise. So as we filter out the noise, we can tune into the signal. And the wonderful thing about this, friends, is that what, what, what happens, you know, if that signal turns into a note? And that note turns into a love melody. And that love melody then, with other melodies, turns into a symphony of love. That everywhere we go, we hear the symphony of the love of God washing over us 
and overwhelming us. Because remember, I we, we talked about not being overwhelmed by the world, but being overwhelmed by the love of God in Psalm 42. It says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers are swept over me. And so when we talk about deep calling to deep, we talk about the many layers. In other words, the manifold layers of the love of God. And actually, friends, we, we began this series. We began this series with actually being in that place of love. That actually we become pickled in love. We actually smell of love. We actually resonate love. We actually speak love. We, as it were, drink in love. We actually, our molecules of our body resonate with the love of God. So we're operating from that place. And then we're actually, we're actually processing our words where we are sorting out that resonance, that song of God. Because it's the words, those prophetic words, are songs of love straight from heaven. And if we spend so much time in that place of intimacy with God, that actually we would pick up the slightest symphony of sound, the slightest note, and we say, yes, that is my daddy's love. That is the love that reaches out. That is the love that says yes. That is the love that is not competitive. That is the love that is all about presence and not about performance. So as we hear those love songs, those love notes, that we connect it up with the place that we spend a lot of our time, in fact, all of our time, actually in the place of love. As we follow the way of love, we end up being in love. In love. In love with Jesus, who gave up everything for us. So this, about developing a prophetic culture, is a love story. (laughs) It's a love story. Because as we dwell and swim around and um, are pickled in love, we hear those words and those symphonies and those notes of love that come to us prophetically, and we're able to sort them and everything else and test them because we go, yes, yes, this resonates with my daddy's love. So armed with the symphony of love about us, that we, an army, of lovers of God, that God will speak to us in those three things that I mentioned earlier, timing, wisdom, and being ready. That actually, you know, timing is, it's the now word. It's the, you know, don't wait until um, the right season or anything else to kind of plant your seeds because you could be waiting for it forever until it feels right. There's a timing to it. There's a wisdom to know the, the, the call and the strategy upon your life. But the being ready is the being ready. In other words, you know, that we're changed, we're ready, we've got our trainers on on the starting track. And actually we're not jumping ahead, we're not being presumptive, we're not actually going beyond that which God is calling us to do. But when he does sound the starting signal, that he won't have to sound it twice. Because we're being attentive, we're looking to him, we know his voice, because actually we dwell in his love. And so, thank you for journeying with me in these six sessions of the love story.
about what the prophetic culture is. And thank you that it looks like we've, we've made it, we've made it through. And um, this is a perfect uh, platform now if in your churches, in our own church, where we can begin to actually meet as groups and actually begin to um, celebrate each other's risk of, setting, of, of stepping out in these prophetic words, uttering these words of love. Working in our character to go with our gifting in groups which are safe and where we can celebrate the risk and say, yeah, and actually learn how to work as team. And remember, we have the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the best model of any team that I know. And so let's actually go as team in the way of love. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Amen.